Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. King takes it. Hands away. There you go. At the 45 to midfield to the 40. Harris to the 30. He may go away. He's at the 20. Here we go. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. He is into the end zone for a Miami touchdown. Cameron Harris goes all the way for a touchdown. Harris scores. Miami's first touchdown of the year. It's a 66 yard touchdown run for Cameron Harris. Cameron Harris takes the ball deep into the backfield, goes towards the left side of his offensive line on the inside zone, bends it back to the right, and he is off to the races. And a very pleasant good evening, everybody. Welcome to Hurricanes Weekly. Hurricanes Weekly in the past has aired on Sunday morning. Now it will air on Wednesday, and before you think I'm crazy, I know tonight is Friday. The The week has just been crazy. So here we are on a Friday night with a recap of last night's opening night victory for the University of Miami, 31-14. Next week, Hurricane Hotline on Tuesday, Hurricane Weekly on Wednesday. Don Bailey Jr. with us. Great night last night at the stadium, Don. Uh, lots of enthusiasm and uh, lots of fun. Of course, Cameron Harris had himself a ball game. That he did, Joe. I think that uh, we saw what we were anticipating out of Cameron Harris. Uh, 17 carries, 134 yards. Of course, the the long run of 66 on a fourth down was certainly one that we'll be talking about for not only weeks to come, but probably years to come. You had uh, Derek King was had a strong performance overall, I would say, in every category, his passing was efficient. His running was extraordinary. His uh, his ability to buy time was great, and I think that you know something that's gotten lost is, is how good the defense played. They held UAB to three of fifteen on third down, and they were very very productive in stopping the run. They held them to twenty on twenty six carries to only eighty yards, a little just over a little over three yards a carry, and overall a, a great night for Hurricanes. Yep, great night. It's a it's a University of Miami victory. We had football, most importantly, we had football. And uh, that seemed to be in doubt during the summer. But the University of Miami uh, and the ACC have done a marvelous job uh, being leaders in this and getting football. We were on our way out of the stadium last night, and we walked right into Jen Strawley, Deputy Director of Athletics and COO of the University of Miami, who has been very instrumental in getting uh, the University of Miami football program to where it is today, and I thought that would be a perfect guest to have on our show here tonight. So we do have with us Jen Strawley, Deputy Director of Athletics, COO of the University of Miami. And Jen, first of all, congratulations on uh, last night's victory in two ways. One, being able to play football, and two, on the scoreboard. Well, thanks, Joe, and thanks, Don. It's really a pleasure to be with you guys tonight. And um, last night was a, a bit surreal uh, when we actually watched the, you know, kickoff, but um, what a what a special night it was in so many ways. 
Jen, a, a term that's used in football all the time is audible. And I think that you have probably, you and Blake James in the athletic department, have had to audible more than anybody in the that would ever imagine over the last, let's say, six months. Take us through how you even stay with what you think tomorrow's going to be with all the things that change constantly. Yeah, I think, you know, Don, I think when we started on this journey, um, we, we tried to, to take it almost one day at a time. And how do you make the next best decision you can in these moments? Um, we're, you know, we're all living in unprecedented times. There, there isn't a, a handbook to how to navigate this. And um, so we were working, you know, with some great people at the ACC. We are so fortunate to have the great leadership of Dr. Frank. Um, and there's just been a team of people at Health who have been just awesome and unbelievable in, in working through with us and guiding us and leading us um, and really just helping us every step of the way with the safety and, and health and well-being of our student athletes and our staff being the top priority in that decision making, you know, with the ultimate goal to safely be able to play football. Jen, President Frank put out a, uh, uh, a video message, another video message just a short while ago, and his lead was how proud he is of the football team the way that they have approached uh, being being careful, being safe, and that they they have been real leaders and instrumental in uh, in what's been been able to to be accomplished. But uh, how proud uh, is the administration of the way the players have responded to this? Because they took on this challenge. He pointed it out today in his video, and I think it's been uh, very special what they were able to accomplish. For sure. I, I mean, I don't know that I could be any prouder of them. They've done what we've asked of them. They've made great decisions, um, you know, and they've just obviously they've demonstrated how important playing football is to them and how important playing football for the University of Miami is to them. Um, and they certainly have been leaders in, in those efforts. And, uh, you know, because of their discipline through this process, we've been able to, to get to this point. And, you know, I, I hear Manny say all the time, and then I feel like right now I live, you know, by the the next test and when's the next test and so you're only as good as that next test but um but you know certainly i could not be more proud of how they've responded and and been great teammates to each other and and to all of us in this process jane when you when you think about your approach on how how to make the student athlete safe um joe and i have been around it and we've seen it and we we see the signs and we see how difficult it is to get into the HEC Center and the rules that you apply. How often do you alter that to keep improving it? Because every day or every week something comes along that that can enhance the protection of these student-athletes. How do you handle that? You know, I think one of the the hardest parts to start with, Don, and all this has just been it's so much unknown, right? So you start, I mean, you just take a look at the CDC guidelines and, you started in one place and then, you know, a month in they get adjusted. And, and so you're, you're constantly making sure that you're on top of what that information is. And, and again, I, I go back to just the amazing partnership and support we've had from you health, um, you know, with Dr. Nimer and Dr. Kobitz and Dr. Weiss's leadership and so many others who have spent really tireless hours guiding us through and helping us, uh, learning and understanding our world so we can operationalize it, but giving us the medical guidance and expertise to be able to, to you know, operationalize it on our end and be able to put it in place. And, 
if there are better pieces that come out or different things we can put in place, being adaptable enough to to adjust to that, to, to, to your point, to call the audible and, and understand that we need to, to make that change in order to best protect us. And, um, you know, one of the things Manny and I have talked a lot about through this process is when you get between the lines, we have to play football, but there are other things you control outside of it and how we can best um, manage that contact and ensure we're, we're in masks and ensure we're doing, we're socially distanced. And, and, you know, you can make those changes around the periphery that's still really important but that can provide, you know, greater protection and not create contacts and, and then, again, continue to educate and have student-athletes who, who are disciplined and make the decisions that they've made. Spe- speaking of audibles, I think, number one, it took a lot of courage for uh, the conferences, the, the ones that are stepping up and playing right now, Jen. Uh, but we don't know. There could be hiccups along the way. Uh, it, but it appears that everybody is prepared uh, for those hiccups, and do you find it inspiring that you've gotten this far so that if there are hiccups, whether it's with Miami or someone else in the ACC or somebody else, that you'll be able to make those audibles and then continue on? I do. I, you know, there were certainly days this summer where I honestly wasn't sure if we'd, we'd get to this place. Um, and then, you know, there became this point where you could see this light and you knew that the path to it was narrow but if you could continue to navigate it you could potentially get there and I I feel like we last night was was evidence we were able to do that but I I think we'd be naive to think there aren't going to be hiccups through this process um you know living with the coronavirus and with COVID is part of what we all have to do so we have to be smart around it but we also have the protocols and pieces in place for if somebody does test positive that we know we know what we're going to do. We have a plan. We we will take the appropriate steps to to address that, whether that be here, whether that be when we're testing on the road, whether that be, you know, as those pieces play themselves out. We have the the direction from the ACC. We have clear guidance from our institution, and and we're prepared for for those pieces and and those hiccups that may come along the way. You know, Jen, I get the feeling when talking with Manny Diaz and Katie Meyer. And the coachings, the coaches that I've had conversations with, I, I ran into to Gino uh, last week, and you know we all know how great they are in their chosen field of coaching their sport. But I think that they've they've really shown their expertise when it comes to coaching these student athletes on what they have to do outside the lines to make this thing continue to work. And they've, they've accepted that and passionately, and they're doing a great job of making sure these kids know exactly what they have to do. I couldn't agree more. Um, we have some, I mean, you named three of them. We have some just fantastic leaders who are coaches and they've, you know, they've been thrown curveballs in this process and they've had to adapt and adjust and call audibles and, I, you know, I'm equally as, as, as proud of them, and it's just really a privilege to work with them on a daily basis to, to you know, it, it's a partnership with them, and it's teamwork with them, and it's, you know, administration and coaches who, who can communicate and work together to understand what the challenges are and how we can best strive to, to find the best answers for our student-athletes. And I think, you know, we, we're fortunate. We have folks that come to work every day at Miami that, that deeply care about student-athletes and, and want to provide the very best possible experience for them and 
and do that tirelessly and passionately. And, and I'm thankful to work with just an amazing group of head coaches. You know, I want to pick up, uh, Jen, for a moment what Don said. Uh, one, uh, when we've been on campus, the, the testing, it's so efficient and world-class. That's number one. So the kids are getting, and the administration, it is just uh, top of the line, top shelf. But the other thing Don said last night is, and he got fired up, he said uh, in terms of trying to play football, and there are some out there that have been uh, a little bit negative, and Don said, I want to be on the side of, of the people that want to go to the moon. That's the side I want to be on, the side that has the ambition. And that's, that's the side of the University of Miami. That's got to be really special to be on that side. It is, and um, I I didn't get to hear Don live on on the air last night, but um, it, Carter did send it to me afterwards. And Don, I got the chills listening to you. And um, yeah, I want to be on the side of people who want to go to the moon too, and do it safely and smartly. But you know, I'm proud of of our ambition and proud of um, you know what we've been able to do. We have a group of student athletes that have earned the right to participate in their sport this fall. Um, yes, our football team. We have soccer and volleyball and cross country that are getting ready to kick off as well, and those. And all of them have just really earned the right to be able to participate in the sport that they love. And um, it really, I, I have great passion about being able to provide them that opportunity. You know what I find amazing, Jen, is that today or at this time, really, these student athletes don't really understand how this period of time in their life that they're going to lean on forever. I mean, they're, 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 they will have gone through this to where a year ago this football team went about life this way, and then this big curveball came along, and they've had to adapt, and they've had to make changes, and they've had to sacrifice, and they've, then they've, they've learned to excel, and they've learned to have fun in different ways, and they've learned to appreciate things. And, you know, anybody that's 10 years removed from college and 20 years and 30 years and 40 years and 50 years – they're, we're all looking at this saying they're getting the, a fantastic lesson right now where this is going to help them the rest of their life because they've been able to adapt and also sacrifice and have discipline to, to accomplish a goal. Yeah, I completely agree, Don. I think, you know, people are, you're really defined and made during times of adversity. And, uh, you know, our young people, whether it be our spring sports who had, their season canceled. Um, you know, our fall sports we now have had to adapt. And, you know, even our, our winter sports, our basketballs have had to redefine how, how they live life right now, too. And I, I think you're really right. You, They're going to look back on this and, um, you know, maybe be disappointed in some of the things they lost in this time period, but I think also be really appreciative of, of what they learned and what they gained and how they grew through that process and, um you know, the most amazing part is I just think we've just seen a group of student athletes who's been just so resilient through this process and and um, and appreciative too. I, I, they really do understand and appreciate what uh, what what individuals at this university are doing to give them the opportunity to compete in the sport they love. So, women's soccer that gets underway uh, tomorrow, right? You, did you send them off to Clemson today or to, uh, or tomorrow? We're actually playing Clemson in Jacksonville, so both teams oh, okay. are driving. Okay. Um, and they're yes, they're they're heading there. We had a we have to for the ACC do an attestation before any team could participate. Which, um, you know, in case of soccer and volleyball and, and soccer and football and volleyball, they have to be tested three times a week. They have to have done a test within a certain period of time. And so, 
we completed soccer's attestation today, so they can officially go on the road and compete. All right, so they're going to go to Jacksonville, but then next week I think they're home uh, to play at Cobb Stadium, right? That's correct, Thursday and okay. Sunday. Okay, great. All right, and then football, so another big week coming up. Uh, they'll be the first road game, and uh, before we let you go, uh, you know, all the talk about bubble, but once you go on the road with football or any of these sports, it does become a bubble from the time you, the time you leave, right? You, it's, it becomes bus, airport, airplane, <laughs> bus, hotel, bus, stadium, uh, bus, airplane, back home, <laughs> right? That's your, that's you your make bubble. that sound so fun. <laughs> yeah. It used to be. It used to be real exactly. fun. It used to be a little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. But well, yeah, listen. I think I, Joe. I think you're right. It's and that's what we've done, and all along is really tried to create. You know, it's not a bubble the way the WNBA or the NBA has defined it, but it's it's a bubble on who we who we let into our world, and um, I think that's where our our student athletes have done a great job of that. And you're right when we get the opportunity to go on the road to Louisville. Um, you know, we test before we leave. We have negative tests. We get on a plane. We test when we land. Well go into a hotel and then we'll have the negative results from the morning before we play the game and then fly back after the game. So it, it really is a pretty regimented, um, safe process. Well, Jen, you make sure that you get, you, you keep us all in line and you make sure you keep doing what you're doing so we can keep have, having a, such a, such a season that, uh, we will all, all remember. Well, thank you guys. And I appreciate you. And let's, um, let's go get that W next week at Louisville. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you both. Take care. All right. That's uh, Jen Strawley, Deputy Director of Athletics, COO of the University of Miami, joining us. And uh, so that's one one week down, Don. They had a great plan. They've been able to execute the plan so far. It's going to be a – but um, it's a marathon. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon to get through it. And we might have a hiccup or two. We don't know. Hopefully not. Uh you know, it feels uh, like it's a marathon, Joe. That's uphill. That's yeah, what I can yeah. tell you. It's 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 just it just it it, it it just amazes me on how on how many things that have to be done or how many things that are being done to make sure that this all continues to happen. Right, and things are going to advance. Testing's advancing, so yep. maybe it becomes even easier. We don't know. I think that's why it's important to keep pushing forward because more things are happening every day to, to uh, perhaps uh, make it easier in terms of the testing, although uh, the testing they have set up right now at the UM, I don't know that it can get much easier or quicker, but uh, uh, different things are coming available, so um, we'll see as they uh, continue to push forward. Speaking going forward, when we come back, we'll hear last night's postgame conversation with Hurricanes head coach Manny Diaz. We will do that when we continue on Hurricanes Weekly. First, let me talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. Ed Williamson, Carol Williamson, they have been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years, and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Nobody understands this community better than Ed Williamson. Nobody understands the automobile industry and how it interacts in this community better than Ed Williamson. That's why he's been in business for so long with Williamson Cadillac, 50 years in business, and you can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup 
you can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers. I'm driving one of those. It is beautiful. It's quiet. It's smooth. It is engineered to stand out. You can excite your senses in Williamson CD, a CT sedan series dedicated to performance, or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Visit their state-of-the-art facility. It is conveniently located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or view their entire Line up online at williamsoncadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. From the 12, King takes the snap. King is going to run. King up the middle. King to the 5. King dives. There is a (laughs) King in the end zone. Touchdown, Miami. De'Ara King dashes into the end zone. He's King of the Hill and gives Miami the lead. 13-7 13-7 with 10.04 to go in the second quarter. Back with another one of those block-rocking beats, Joe. King goes airborne, gives the Hurricanes six, and they now have the lead. Welcome welcome back to the show. De'Ara King, his first touchdown as a Hurricane last night and continued his streak of a touchdown pass and uh, running for a touchdown in a game, 16 in a row now for De'Ara King, 15 out of 23, 141 yards last night through the air. He ran the ball 12 times for 83 yards, had a long run of 31, and uh, did have the touchdown. Miami did have three rushing touchdowns. Uh, they ran for 337 yards last night. Average nearly seven yards a carry. Very impressive. Miami wins their opening night game against UAB. And after the game, Don Bailey Jr. spoke with Hurricanes head coach Manny Diaz. Coach, first and uh, foremost, I want to congratulate you on uh, victory number one of the 2020 season. Thank you. Thank you. Just so uh, so proud of the, of the guys in the locker room. Um, that's, a, that's a tough UAB team. And, uh, you know, to see to see them put the to really just sort of lay the hammer on them and, and lean on them and, and and be relentless and uh, just our sideline energy the, I thought the whole night was really positive and and uh, they get the reward of a win I think everybody's got uh, player staff everybody did a great job to get us where we where we uh, ended up. Coach, the easy thing to do is go right to your offense, but I want to start with the defense for a minute. I don't want to get let them get overlooked. They held UAB to to 80 yards total rushing tonight, and that's a uh, that's a pretty significant night when you when you look at the talent that they had with with Spencer Brown, a guy that came into tonight's game as the second leading returning rusher in the United States of America. That's exactly right, and um, and was really crucial in the first half when when offensively we we're having a little bit of a hard time, you know, getting it all going and getting all together. And and I don't know how many times it was, but they just kept going out there and just, and getting three and outs, getting three and outs, and. Um, gave us a chance to get a lead you know once we had it we never gave it up and um i thought they really set the tone and, and let our offense sort of you know come come into their own coach when you when you look at the tonight's ball game very clean as far as penalties go you only had three for 27 yards and you you look at a team like uab in their second game they came in and had 11 for 75 yeah and we'll, we'll be disappointed in the three we had but that that um you know, that mirrored some of the scrimmages we had where, you know, guys did a good job of playing with great discipline. It was one of our keys um, in talking to the team all week. And um, it's a good starting place, and we, have to, we and, and we got to keep it going. 
you were uh, um, UAB was one of the better teams in all of college football the last two years on third down. Miami was almost at 50 percent, seven to 17, but your defense helped them to just three of 15 on third down. I know that's an important area for you is third down conversions. It always is, and a lot of it's because of getting them, you know, behind the chains and, and with some of the negative yardage plays. Um, so again, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good job. Just uh, that's what created all the three and outs to, to get our offense back on the field. Manny, your thoughts on on Cameron Harris? Uh, you talked about him all training camp long on how he prepared to to get to this point, but 17 carries, uh, 134 net yards, two touchdowns, and and really had the game changer with that 66 yard run. Yeah, you know, when you when you have a player that really is maybe the hardest working guy on your team or one of them, you want to see that guy rewarded in, in the game. And so for him to really make the play, as you mentioned, that that kind of got us going. You know, we, we you know they, they took the lead on the on the, the short drive after the turnover. So to really have um, Cam make that play was it was it, it, it's it's the way you want it to go. You almost want the game to to reward the guys that are your hardest workers. And but then. A lot of yards, as you mentioned, but just tough yards. I mean, running over, you know, would-be tacklers. I mean, just dragging guys down the field. Um, his toughness, I thought, was was the identity we really wanted on offense tonight. Coach, you both of your your young freshmen running backs, Knighton and Chaney, got into the ball game. Really, very similar numbers. Uh, Knighton had nine carries for 59 yards, had a long run of 25 yards, and. And Donald Cheney, eight carries for 52 yards, including a 33-yard. Both of these young men impressive with six-and-a-half yards per touch. Yeah, we've been saying it all, all camp. You know, the word is, is explosion. You know, they're, they're explosive runners um, that when they get in the, in the secondary, they can, they can make big plays happen and, and flip the field, and, and then you can really get your tempo offense going. So it was great to see those guys um, get in there and, and, and get their feet wet and, and prove that they can make plays at this level. Coach, we go to the tackle chart, and you, you had um, Jennings with was the team leader with six tackles. He got the start tonight at the linebacker spot. Nice to see that. And then Nesta Silvera, this is a young man that had 19 tackles on the whole season last year. He comes in with five. Yeah, I, I thought um, both those guys played really well. You know, for, for Silvera, you know, he – he knows, he knows this is his time, you know, junior year, and, and he's ready to, to step up and take that role. And, and, and Bradley Jennings, and I, I, I've got to mention Wayman Steed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, both those guys have come back from just really devastating injuries, and a lot of credit to Vinny Scavo and Jeff Ruiz and our entire training staff. Um, for those guys to go out there and, and, and play and produce the way that they did tonight, I'm so proud of them. All right, Manny, let's jump on Derek King. He got a lot of a lot of attention since the moment he enrolled here at the University of Miami, and he certainly didn't disappoint anybody tonight. 15 to 23, no interceptions, uh, one touchdown pass, but then when it came to, to running the football, he was able to score a touchdown and nudge you 83 yards. Just a complete performance by Derek King. It really was, and um... – and I, I, you know, obviously, I think in our passing game, I think you'll see more and more um, in, in the weeks ahead. But his ability to extend plays with his feet, um, you know, the, the, the first, the, the, his first touchdown run, the, they brought a blitz, and, and we did a great job picking it all up, and they, they matched everybody in coverage. But when you do that, there's no one to match the quarterback, you know. And so, you know, for him to take it in there, and but how about him? How about Cam Harris breaking a run and Derek going down the field and throwing a block and 
I mean, just his his energy and his toughness inspires our entire football team, and they, they see it every day in practice. And um, I, I think I think for an offense and for Derek, I think I think there's great great things coming ahead. Coach, let's talk about this uh, fourth and one, <laughs> fourth and one big play. Yeah, caught us off guard up here in the box. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, it was um, you know it was around midfield, fourth and one. The the you know the the numbers say go for it in that situation. But I thought also, I just felt like we needed a little bit of a spark. You know, it's first quarter. They had played a game. They looked like they had played a game. We had not played a game. Um, we were still feeling our way out there a little bit, and um, and I was confident in our line and, and and Cam. And then obviously, you know, Derek has the option to pull the ball, so it, it really puts a lot of stress on the defense. And they, because of that, they got they sort of sold the farm. Um, and, and brought everybody on the field up close to the to the line of scrimmage. And so once offensive line made a hole, and then once Cam got out of there, they were out of people, and, and they're not going to catch him. So it was it was a shot in the arm for us. It kind of got us going. Um, and, you know, and again, everyone can talk about the call, but it's the play that made it happen. So I'm proud of those guys for making the play. Many, you know, as far as the perception of Rhett, La- Rhett Lashley's offense or this Hurricane offense, I don't think anybody – would have would have thought that you would have come out of tonight's game rushing for 337 yards. Yeah, that defense returned everybody, and they went to, to Knoxville, Tennessee a year ago, and Tennessee didn't have 330 yards of total offense. Um, they are really good at every category defensively, and to, to, to run for 330 uh, in the opener and have almost 500 yards of offense when really we sat on the ball in the fourth quarter. We need to run how to finish games better. We weren't very good. Um, I thought we lost our edge in the fourth quarter, both sides of the ball. But um, that, now that's not necessarily where we're going to be every week, but we felt that it was important for us this game to, to pound these guys, exert our will, um, and wear them down with, just a, with a series of just 100 body blows. And, and uh, I think the players started to see the effects of that as UAB really started to, to get winded and wear down. The fact that you didn't give the, fo- the football away has is, is got to be very, very pleasing as well. As an offense, we had the one in special teams, uh, but that is, that is really important. As you mentioned, you know, low penalties and, 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 and no turnovers on offense, you're going to make yourself hard to beat, and uh, which we want to do. Obviously, we're disappointed in, in not getting any turnovers on defense. We had some shots at it, um, mm-hmm. but we have to stay relentless, and we know that they'll come. So when you assess tonight's ball game, Manny, we, we, you know, it's, there's so much to, to put together to get to this point. Um, and, and I'm talking about taking everything into consideration of the season to date. You've got to be extremely, extremely proud of how, how these young men came together to get this accomplished. Proud, um, grateful, you know, almost humbled. Um, even just what they did in terms of taking care of each other, you know, taking care of the, of the program, staying safe when all the you know, narrative was that it was impossible and it couldn't happen. These guys did something that people said could not happen. Um, right. People, people were saying there's no way we could play a game with fans in the stadium in September, and and it didn't happen on accident. You know, they had to do the right things and live the right way, and and they got the reward tonight. And that was so fun to see in the locker room after the game, and just how excited the guys were because they know that their hard work paid off. Coach Diaz, congratulations on your uh, on your victory, victory number one of the 2020 season, and we'll talk to you next week, and then of course after the next game against the University of Louisville. Fantastic. Thank you, Don. Okay, that that was uh, Manny Diaz last night. 
uh, with Don Bailey Jr. in our post-game show. Uh, one of the things that he told us prior to the game was with this offense, you don't need the perfect play. That uh, Because this the way this offense operates, it's going to create enough chaos where if you don't have the perfect play, you still might get a big play or a touchdown. And we did see some big chunk plays last night. And uh, when UAB gambled on fourth down, there was a lot of grass behind them. You know, Joe, when uh, I was watching some of the replay of this ball game, and when you watch this offense, you know, don't think I've lost my mind here, but it reminds you somewhat of what of what they ran when when they ran the option at Georgia Tech. Now, mind you, the structure is nothing the same, but they just it just keeps coming at you, and it's re, it's relentless. And in and they're you know Georgia Tech didn't necessarily have the tempo that Miami had last night. But there, there was always a little something that you had to defend, and I and I got the feeling after seeing this in person, in a game environment last night, that that's part of the reason this causes so many problems for people because the offense never lets up. If it's a run, there's more than one option on the run. If it's a pass, there's could be a half a dozen uh, options on the pass. It just makes it so difficult to defend, but. You put so much stress on the defense by the defense not being able to adjust because of how quick you're snapping the football. It, um, it the offense is probably about where I thought it was going to be. It, it wasn't perfect at times. It was a little bit clunky, and yo, know, when you go that fast at three and out, it's a really fast three and out. But there weren't uh, until late in the game. Uh, there were not a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And we know that Miami's been plagued by the self-inflicted wounds. I think the offense probably would have looked a little bit better. Uh, had they got the tight end involved earlier. We didn't really see Jordan, I don't think, involved heavily until the third quarter. And, you know, in in the past, uh, early in the season, you would have some games to break in, you know, get your team uh, to break in an offense. Now you got to get up to speed here in a hurry with Louisville and Florida State and Clemson coming up. But I, I think against Louisville, maybe – uh, to get more confidence in the passing game, the guy that can uh, turn it around for you in a hurry is is Brevin Jordan and Will Mowry, those two guys. And do you think maybe you try to get uh, a dose of those guys a little bit earlier in the game? Well, I think what happened last night, and, and I didn't review it this way, but based on what I remember, is they were the defensive structure of UAB was kind of taking the tight end out of it. If you were uh, if you were the defensive coordinator for University of Alabama Birmingham and you were studying the Miami offense, you know by based on production of last year that the receiving core struggled, and there's not there was not really anybody that was a huge threat coming into the game that that UAB had to worry about. Now you also know that that uh, Derek King does a great job with his feet and has got a productive arm, maybe not the greatest arm in the world, but productive. So you're going to have to put a spy on him. And then you're just going to have to make sure that this team beats you with running the football, which Miami did not do very well last year. And I think that's what happened is Miami adapted, um, and they did take the tight end out early. And I'm with you 100%. I, I think that you're going to see a game especially in the next couple of weeks where the tight ends just simply take over. If somebody leaves them un- uncovered 
or put, get, puts them in a position where they're going to be able to make plays, the tight end could end up with 10 or 12 catches between both of those guys in one game. But if they keep them covered up, Miami's going to go to the run. If they keep them covered up, Miami's going to have to count on their outside receivers. So, you know, it's it's all about cat and mouse with, with this football team, meaning Miami's and everybody else's. Okay, when we come back, one more segment to go. Uh, tomorrow, the rest of the ACC kicks off, and there are conference games tomorrow. Notre Dame and Duke. Uh, Duke goes to Notre Dame, so that's a, a big conference game. Syracuse will be at North Carolina. Clemson will travel over to Wake Forest, and Georgia Tech will be in Tallahassee to take on Florida State. We'll take a look at those games, plus a little look ahead to Miami and Louisville. We'll do that when we come back to our show. Let me talk to you for a moment about Williamson Cadillac. You can view their entire lineup online at Williamson cadillac.com so if you are in the mood to get out and do some shopping uh before you go you want to uh, narrow the choices down go online williamsoncadillac.com and then you can visit their state-of-the-art facility easy to find located at us1 and 104th street just south of the palmetto expressway of course williamson cadillac is your premier luxury dealership so if you're in the market for a luxury vehicle, you can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with this award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their XT crossovers. They are engineered to stand out. Of course, you know, to get around South Florida, every now and then you got to be adroit. you got to go here, you got to go there. So check out Williamson's C- uh, CT sedan series dedicated to performance. Or every now and then you want to be the big dog. Well, you can get uh, a ride in the... Uh, original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. That's at Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been in this town for a long time, and that's why Williamson Cadillac uh, part of, is part, has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years, and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Harris to the right side of De'Ara King. His eye sweeping left to right. Takes the snap. He's going to give it to Cameron Harris. He bounces off one tackler. Cameron Harris lunges into the end zone for a touchdown. It's a hurricane touchdown. The second of the night for Cameron Harris. 23-14. Miami leads with 4-2 to go here in the third quarter at Hard Rock Stadium. Orange in the end zone. I love the way he finishes the run. Puts his shoulders down. Bows his neck, sticks his face mask in the defender's chest, and drives his way into the end zone. Impressive third quarter for the University of Miami. Welcome back to our show, brought to you by Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years. Game got, a little, game got a little close, 17-14, and Miami responded with back-to-back touchdown drives in the third quarter. That was nice to see. It was, Joe, and I think it, it, it Miami flexed their muscle. I, mean, I think they, they got the picture. Um, they weren't satisfied with the points that they had or the production that they had at that time. So they, what they did is they, they, they decided to put some more points on the board, and I know that made their head coach happy. Tomorrow in the ACC, Notre Dame will play Duke. Notre Dame has been playing football since 1887, and for the first time, the Fighting Irish will play a conference game. It also might be... The last time they play a conference season. But they're going to play Duke. 
David Cutcliffe's going to take his team uh, into South Bend, Indiana. Cutcliffe thinks he's got a really good team. He thinks he's going to be really good on defense. He got a new quarterback, a transfer from Clemson. Cutcliffe's going to call the plays. This could be a, a very entertaining game. I think it's going to draw a lot of attention, and and I find it uh, intriguing that Cutcliffe, in who's in his late sixties, uh, is taking the play calling responsibilities. And you know he's uh, he lost his uh, coordinator. I think the guy went out to Texas A and M. And you, you look at what they've had in the past, and their offense has been productive the last couple of years. It's kind of gone downhill a little bit, and I think some of that's related to personnel. But for him to take the reins of this offense. I'm, that, to me, is the story of the game. Well, he says his defense this year probably is as fast as any defense that he's ever had. And, you know, he spent a lot of time uh, bulking up his defensive tackle position. Last time Duke went to Notre Dame, they beat him 38-35. So uh, we'll see what happens there. North Carolina is going to be home against Syracuse. Uh, Carolina, Mac Brown's second year. Carolina's got a bunch of talented receivers, Daz Newsom. Uh, Chas Surratt plays linebacker for him. Of course, Hal, the quarterback. he got a nice running back in Michael Carter. A lot of people are picking Carolina to be in that top four mix inside the ACC. I think they should be. I, I go right with the quarterback. You know, Sam Howell, to me, had as impressive of a year as, as anybody in college football that was a freshman. I mean, you look at how he played, the type of production that he had. You look at his yards. You look at the touchdowns. You look at the touchdown-to-interception ratio. He, w- he was number two in the entire conference. And, and, he, and, he, and we watched him. I mean, I liked how tough he was. He would run the football. He would do whatever it took. But I, I think people, North Carolina to me is kind of flying under the radar. They had two running backs that were uh, right at or over 1,000 yards apiece. And then they had a couple receivers that had outstanding years. They are only going to lose one offensive lineman. And they're a quality team. And, and for us, in reality, I think we, you know, the time we get them, that's going to be, that could be the, the Coastal Championship within the Coastal Championship right there when we play them, I believe it's what, December 5th. Yeah, uh, last game of the year. You know, Florida State has lost three straight season opening games. Uh, they lost that many openers in a row from 1973 to 1976. That's the last time it's happened. They've lost three in a row uh, to start the season. They're going to play Georgia Tech at home tomorrow. Coach uh, Norvell, his first year, or rather his first game, first year, first game against Georgia Tech. And uh, Tech brings back just about their entire team from a year ago. You know, Tech, obviously, every Hurricane fan knows what Tech did to the University of Miami or what Miami, University of Miami did to University of Miami. But they're, they're, they had gotten better. They, they stacked on a recruiting class, Joe. They're starting to, to weed out that option that Paul Johnson had there for every bit of a decade. So I think that um, you're, you're going to get a good ball game. And if you're Georgia Tech, if you're ever going to beat Florida State, this is the weekend to do it because they've had some transition. They've had some problems on and off the field, and maybe they're a little bit distracted. But more importantly, if Georgia Tech's going to win, they, they've got to win the turnover battle, in my opinion. Yeah, 19 starters back for Georgia Tech. They're not going to name their uh, quarterback until right before kickoff uh, tomorrow. But Florida State's defense uh, Florida State's defense is going to be ahead of their offense. Blackman's going to start for Florida State at quarterback. Uh, but Florida State, their front seven – uh, is going to be really good, I think, again this year. Uh, Clemson is going to go play Wake Forest. You know how I feel about the Wake Forest offense. Uh, it's the gotcha offense. They spread you out, 
It's a unique uh, version of the spread. Uh, it's a crazy offense. It's the equalizer offense is what it is. It equalizes, equalizes the playing field because they really put you in a bind. Now, they got a new quarterback coming in, uh, but they've been running this system for a while. they got a great defensive end on the other side of the ball. Uh, you think they have any chance at all to beat Clemson? No. Yeah, None. I, agree with that. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's any chance at all. I don't. If they played a hundred times, Clemson would beat them a hundred times. And the simple fact is, Clemson's better at every single position. You know, Wake Forest last year, I believe they were an eight-win team, and but they lost. You know, the, the quarterback went to Georgia and then opted out. And then Surratt, the wide receiver, he's not playing. So the two best offensive players that were on uh, Wake Forest last year, they're no longer there. So. I, no, I'm not with it. I think that um, Trevor Lawrence is – I can't get the plays out of my mind from the the uh, national championship game and, and the fact that he runs that offense so well. And, and more importantly, he can run the football. He is a factor on the, in that part of the deal. So um, there, I don't think there's any way Wake Forest comes up with it. You know, I was thinking about uh, Wake Forest being at home – but then it, it occurs to me it doesn't matter. There won't be any fans in the stadium, so it doesn't matter. They won't get any kind of boost for a home field. Clemson's won 22 straight conference games, and they're riding a 12-game winning streak on the road. So you're right, Clemson's going to bomb them. Uh, Louisville's going to play Western Kentucky. We're going to play Louisville next week. Miami's going to play Louisville. Malik Cunningham averaged over 11 yards a pass last year. Their entire offense is back except that big left tackle. Uh, Javian Hawkins, a really nice running back. Hassan Hall in the backfield. And then, of course, uh, 2-2 Atwell is a game-breaker at running back. I'd rather a wide receiver. Yeah, and and you go back to last year, yes, it was probably, uh, without question, Miami's best offensive performance. Jaron Williams threw six touchdown passes. Uh, Miami had had uh, had great rhythm that day. Everything seemed to click. And but I go back and I love the way uh, that Louisville approaches the game offensively. They run that zone play out of, and, and use some of the pistol, and that gives the back. He's he's lined up behind the quarterback. It gives him some vision, and they were very successful. Um, I don't have the numbers out yet. I'll I'll have them out Sunday. But you know, I, I think they had some big plays on this on Miami last year, and I don't think anything's going to change. If anything, where Louisville was last year, they've taken a step up. And Scott Scatterfield, who was at App State, won a bunch of ball games there. He he was he was he exceeded everybody's expectation last year in the conference, and I think in college football because. Louisville was a horrible football team the two previous years. Uh, ended up firing the coach, and S- Coach Satterfield comes in and wins, I believe it was eight games, and, and has one heck of a season. All right, it's a 3.30 game next Saturday. We'll be on the air at 11.30. Don and I will be back on Tuesday night with the Hurricane Hotline, Wednesday with Hurricanes Weekly. Thanks for joining us. DBJ, enjoy your weekend. I'll do it, my friend. All right, lots of college football on tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Dan Day, our producer. We'll talk to you on Tuesday night here on WQAM. Have a great weekend, everyone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.